millions of people have lost weight with personalized plans from Noom, like Evan, who can't stand salads and still lost 50 pounds. Salads generally for most people are the easy button, right? For me, that wasn't an option. I never really was a salad guy. That's just not who I am. But Noom worked for me. Get your personalized plan today at Noom.com. Real Noom user compensated to provide their story. In four weeks, the typical Noom user can expect to lose one to two pounds per week. Individual results may vary. How can today's book lover decide what to read? With a vast array of choices, what to choose? Professor Jim Flynn is a world-renowned expert on intelligence and IQ and believes that reading gives you a deeper understanding of the world. He scoured the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors. You'll be surprised, delighted, you'll be outraged. But that's the magic of a book list. I'm Wallace Chapman, and in this 10-part series, I go in search of the best modern authors with Jim Flynn. Welcome to the new Torchlight List. This episode, the books of New Zealand and Australia. Uh, Professor Jim Flynn, the first point that springs to mind is why both countries lumped into one? Only essentially because uh, there were 11 authors that were mentioned and it seemed to divide it up into two chapters would make the chapters too short. (laughs) I mean, the omissions... Um, I mean, the holes in here are bigger than a fishnet. Yes, I, I'm i not a student of New Zealand literature, and I trusted people who told me that I should read certain people because they were of international caliber. There are other people that are perfectly adequate novelists, but they didn't feel that they were candidates. Well, there are so many that you've left out. Patricia Grace, uh, with Ihemaira. Yes. Well, or the great Dame Anne Salmond uh, with uh, her book on Captain Cook. Yes, I'm sure that there are uh, many people I've neglected here. I focused uh, essentially on Morris G. and Janet Frame as authors who have really made it overseas. I, of course, mentioned Eleanor Caton because of the luminaries, and my publisher and her team told me that I would miss a great deal if I didn't read Charlotte Randall. Okay, well, so then, I included her all, in it as well. All right, then. So you admit uh, that... I, I admit that it's not a, a comprehensive coverage at all. Yeah, okay. Well, let's start with the Booker Prize winners. One made it in and one didn't. What did you think of the Bone People? Because that didn't make it in. Yeah, well, that was... Uh, I didn't count it as relatively contemporary. When was it published? Well, it was published in, what, the 80s? Was it early 80s? Yeah, yeah. it was about a, a 30 years ago or so. Uh, when I read it at the time, I thought it was very much overpraised. And I think it's interesting that nothing really has come from this author since. That is, it appears to have been a oncer, and there seems to be a great reluctance to attempt anything else. That's no sign of non-greatness. No, that's great What's that great American author who wrote that one great that's novel? That's Truman that... Capote. Yep. He wrote Breakfast at Tiffany's. And you can always say Flaubert only published two great novels. You know, he published Madame Bovary and Sentimental Education. So you can write one great novel. Indeed, uh, when we get to Asia, I'll mention a guy who wrote his first great novel at 70. All right, so you didn't like... uh... Uh, I didn't. First, the introduction put me off. It seemed to me the introduction of a megalomaniac. Once you found in the character, again, you had one of these women who could beat up six men with her left hand. Uh, And I just found the prose overblown. I found the prose, to my mind, uh, pointlessly ornate. 
I found it a clumsy novel. I just didn't like the expression. All right, I appreciate your honesty. Yeah. Now, what about the one that did make it in, which was the Booker Prize uh, winning The Luminaries by Eleanor Catton? I read this. I really enjoyed it. I, I enjoyed really, it. really enjoyed this book. What did you think? I think she can write. There are no doubt there are wonderful passages in there and some wonderful characters, even minor ones like the two Chinese are really mm. well portrayed. Emery Staines, a great character. Yes, there are a lot of good characters in it. I think she has to bring her talent under control. She has too much good material. You know, they have the manuscript of The Great Gatsby by Fitzgerald and all of the pre-publication manuscript are cuts. Oh, really? Yes. So it was longer than... It was much longer, and he chose with a wonderful eye what should remain. And I feel she'll have to do the same thing eventually. She I has don't... so much good material. Yeah, you see, this is where I disagree with you and many others who've said that it's too long. I I bought into the story. Mind you, Jim, it took me about 160 pages to actually get into the thread of the story. Well, that's right. That's my first point. You know, initially, there are so many characters in it. There are 16 major characters. And I found over the first 160 pages, I was having to backtrack all the time to try and keep track of who was whom and who was doing what. So I found that very difficult. But at the start of the book, though, um, Eleanor makes it easy because there's a list that you can, I know, there's can you a go list. back to. Yeah, there's, that's right. But you do have to keep skipping back and back. But I'll tell you what made it less than a great novel for me is the continual psychoanalysis of all the characters, which I felt was at too great length. I mean, some of the characters were psychoanalyzed about six different times, page after page as to what they were thinking and what they were feeling and what they hoped for. And I'm not faulting any part of it. I think of, like, Fitzgerald... If she had gone back and had perhaps had eight leading characters rather than 16 and had cut the psychoanalysis to about a third the length, it would be a truly outstanding book. But there's a lot of good material in there. In a way, she's like someone who writes a Ph.D. dissertation. You can't really junk anything you did. So a PhD dissertation always has more material in it than it needs to because you, you right. can't kill your own children. Janet Frame, uh, you say, has received almost universal praise for her uh, three-volume autobiography, To the Island, An Angel at My Table, uh, and The uh, Envoy from uh, Mirror City. That's 80, 1985. I loved An Angel at My Table. I, I haven't read the autobiographical that material. Was, that, was, that was my touchstone for Janet Frame. What's your one? Well, I've only read the novels. And, of course, I read initially Owls Do Cry, the one that often she's mm. celebrated for. I'd read it years ago and liked it better than I liked it on rereading. Again, she can write. But a lot of that, I thought, was... What an understatement. She can write, but, you know, a lot of it is spoiled by schoolgirl emotive prose oh, breaks in, particularly the stuff in italics. Uh, and the poetry isn't really particularly good poetry, I didn't think. Uh, when she got down to the story, she wrote well, but there was usually a showy introduction and italicized summaries and emotive schoolgirl prose thrown into those. I thought Toby was the best character. But even he, you know, there's the stuff about, and one or all of the witches answered, we're afraid of you, Toby, you will take a fit. I could have done without the witches. Chicks was too crass for anything but a morality play. You know, she was the snooty sister. 
Uh, I thought Daphne was pretty good once she got on to irony and the medical stuff, uh, sending up the medical stuff in a mm. sympathetic way. Moving on, because uh, we've got Australia to cover as well, Morris G's Plum, uh, the intolerant, irascible clergyman, George Plum, one of the most memorable characters in New Zealand literature, uh, half saint, half monster, Superman in his spiritual strength, Top book, I thought. Did you like Plum? I liked Plum the best of the trilogy. I thought the succeeding characters just weren't as interesting as Plum. Uh, I mean, it wasn't his style fell off. He also has a habit that is disturbing of writing about 30 pages at the beginning over how he agonized whether or not to really write a novel that I could do without. Uh, I'm willing to assume that he squared it with himself that he could really write this novel. Plum, of course, is essentially in a way like Lloyd Gearing. That is, he and he had many of the doubts that Gearing later developed about Orthodox Christian theology. But there's one interesting difference, and that is that Plum has something like the introverted mystical experience, and he knows God exists despite all of the falderall that Christianity has written into it. As far as I know, I have no reason, I can't understand why Gearing doesn't just call himself an atheist. I mean, God is what sort of that spirit of goodness we all have about each other is. Plum, I found a very effective figure, and I found him plausible, and I found yep. the writing good, and I found that some other novels by Morris G. were very all right, good. Okay, one book that you do mention here that I came to, uh, one author, and Jim, I absolutely love, very, very talented author, internationally famous now, and uh, she wrote a book called Islands of the Lost, and it's Joan Druitt. Yes, that's very good. It's what a story. So this is a, a, a kind of historical novel, nonfiction about people stranded on Auckland Islands. It was riveting. It was a page turner. Yes, I read one book by her and found it wonderful. But she's written about a dozen, you know, and she's on my list for reading in the future. As I say, reading 400 books over six years exhausted me. And I, I came upon her late and I thought, this is so good. So I recommend her, you know, at the end, as someone I've got to read more of. It's fantastic. Well, she's she's just, very good. Uh, Joan George has just put a book out about Captain Bully Hayes. Going to Australia, uh, the great Thomas Keneally. Now, uh, Thomas wrote an account of a German in World War II who defied Hitler. That's right. Uh, Schindler's Ark, it won the Booker Prize. I saw the movie. I've never read the book. Any good? It's a good book, but I think it's the only good book he's written. I mean, it's, it really is a good book. And again, I have a special history, as most people would. The Jews have made such an extraordinary contribution to our civilization. And it seems bizarre that they're the group that the most people have tried to exterminate. And uh, Keneally catches this character very well. There was nothing in this guy's background that showed that he ought to play this heroic role. You know, a guy who liked his liquor and liked girls and... He somehow had this quirk that he really didn't want to see Jews exterminated and he was willing to risk his life. And you remember he had the collaboration of this SS man. And the SS man is an anti-Semite. He often shoots Jews for sport. But he he has no special animus about, you know, exterminating them. He might shoot antelope for sport. And he, to some degree, collaborates with Keneally. He doesn't really risk his career, but he turns a blind eye. 
And uh, I thought, that, again, the, char- the central character and the German SS officer were beautifully portrayed. One Australian writer you mention is also, well, a couple actually, uh, uh, Peter Carey, The True History of the Calais Gang. But one we had the pleasure of having on Sunday morning, and that was Tim Winton. Yeah. He's a great writer, and his sense of place when it comes to landscape and, well, what it means to be Australian, none better than, I, I think, than Tim Winton's Cloud Street well, Cloud Street is a wonderful account of two working-class families who live in Perth from 1944 to 1964, and there are wonderful touches. You remember one of them runs a store, and they're sitting down to the boy's birthday, and a customer comes in who wants a cake, and they don't have a cake, so they snatch his birth cake out from under his nose, and they say, you know, to try and make it good for him, that they gave him uh, a shilling and he says, do you want change from this? <laughs> and it's really very beautifully done. Uh, the, there's also that wonderful scene where the husband, you remember, there's a pet pig in the yard. And the wife wants to slaughter it for a feast. And he tries to mollify her by saying, you know, the pig talks. <laughs> and her reaction is, the pig talks? What does the pig say? And, of course, they go out and look at the pig, who isn't very vocal. But it's a, a very good novel. Dirt Music is also a good novel. Great book, book great book. Can I just put a, um, a heads up too while we have time for a, a young writer, a new voice in Australian literature? And this is a 31-year-old novelist, Hannah Kent, right. Burial Rites. Uh, now, this is set in Iceland yep. in 1829, but this is an impressive first novel, isn't it? She's, uh, she's, a, she's a great voice coming up. That looks like a real comer. Uh, I want to read her works as they come out. It's about a woman who's convicted of murder in ambiguous situations. And while she's being held for execution, she's kept with a family because they don't have a jail. And initially, the family is entirely hostile. But slowly as they get to know her, she becomes a real person to them. And when she's taken off for execution, one of the daughters who has been most hostile uh, addresses her. And she says, do you realize that's the first time you've used my Christian name? It's a wonderful novel. I should say, by the way, that Peter Carey is awfully good. Mm. And he's far superior to Patrick White. I mean, Peter Carey is said to be the next Nobel Prize winner. All right. Well, we don't have time for Peter Carey. You'll have to read the new Torchlight list. But next week, The Books of Africa. And one of my favorite authors of all time, J.M. Coetzee. Yep. Uh, but I have grave fears that Jim Flynn might not agree. The new Torchlight List with Professor Jim Flynn scouring the globe looking for the pearls by today's authors with me, Wallace Chapman. The new Torchlight List was produced by Christine Sesford and recorded by Jeremy Veal. And if you enjoyed it, please write us a review or rate us on iTunes. And while you're there, check out and subscribe to any of the other great RNZ podcasts. There are plenty to choose from. Thanks for listening. Botox Cosmetic, out of botulinum toxin A, FDA approved for over 20 years. So talk to your specialist to see if Botox Cosmetic is right for you. For full prescribing information, including boxed warning, visit BotoxCosmetic.com or call 877-351-0300. Remember to ask for Botox Cosmetic by name. 
To see for yourself and learn more, visit BotoxCosmetic.com. That's BotoxCosmetic.com.